Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RPG PodQuest. This is a show that's not just about RPGs, but it also is one as well. And it's been a, a little bit of a hiatus period uh, since we've last graced uh, your ears, but that's because there's been some major restructuring. So if you're if you've heard my voice before, you know that I'm Evan, but uh, we actually have two new hosts with us this week. I'm going to start it off by first introducing Jeremy. How's it going, everybody? How you doing, Jeremy? Oh, I'm doing just fine. <laughs> Finished up some work and I'm ready to record. Excellent, excellent. And our other new host is Nick. Nick, how are you doing? Good day, Evan. Good, thanks. Happy to be here. Awesome. Um, and... There, of course, is a reason that we've got two new hosts here. It's because, sadly, uh, some new professional ventures uh, have caused Will to have to leave the pod quest. Uh, so I guess we're just going to have to say that in his boss encounter, uh, Will actually fell to his boss. Uh, he was out of Phoenix Downs. He's not going to be uh, joining us again. So uh, rip uh to you will but we are going to carry on your legacy uh and keep the show going uh with maybe some new changes uh, some new quests uh some new hosts and a whole lot more fun content but the first thing that i wanted to do is really give our new co-hosts uh the opportunity to introduce themselves to you all and the way that we figured we would do that is just to talk about some of our favorite RPGs. Uh, so, gentlemen, do either of you want to start things off, or shall we go by the show notes? Let's take the show notes. That way we do it. Um, but that means I get to collect Will's loot, so I'm happy with that. Um, yeah, hey, everyone. Um, obviously, thanks, Evan, for having me and um, letting Jeremy and I come on this journey with you. It's very exciting. Um, myself, my history in the RPG space has been probably a lot more recent um, then both of you, I, growing up, you know, I, I, I played Pokemon. I was massively into that. I played Final Fantasy VIII at a mate's house. I dabbled in Diablo 1 and 2 on the computer. And that's probably really the limit of my RPG exposure until about the year 2001. So before that, I was, you know, I had a Sega Mega Drive. I had a Sega Game Gear, sorry, a Sega Genesis, nah. if you are North American listeners. I, I am from Australia, everyone, by the way. So, yeah. Um, moved on to a Nintendo 64 and, you know, mostly what I was playing on there was platformers, you know, Glover, Buck Bumble, racing games. Um, then I guess I got a GameCube in at launch 2001 and whenever it came out, I'm not sure the year, but Tales of Symphonia came out and that was probably the first game I've ever gone back and played new game plus. Um, so that, sort of really just enkindled the idea of the story, the world growing um, um, in me. Um, and obviously being a Nintendo fan and having a GameCube, there weren't really many other games I could play. Um, you know, you've got uh, Bates and Katos and um, Skies of Arcadia on there, which was great. But then I moved on to getting a Wii and sad story as well. Not much I could play on there. <laughs> um, outside of that, you know, I've had an Xbox, I've had a 360 and a PS1, but they were realistically probably more the family console that just sat there and you know all, all other family members used but i didn't necessarily dabble 
Um, but I think in the last oh, five or six years, especially with the Switch coming out, I, you know, it's obviously opened up a world of games I could historically never play on the platforms I owned. Um, and I'll talk about it a bit more later. But you know, something like Trails of Cold Steel Three, I'd never heard of the story, uh, the series. I'd never heard of you know Ease and Trails of Cold Steel Three and Ease um, Eight. Playing those was just you know it was eye opening. Um, and obviously I've, I've gone down a rabbit hole since then of playing and buying as many games as I can. Um, but interestingly, always linking back to sort of some of the components of Pokemon and Final Fantasy VIII, um, especially from a world building perspective that I always seem to enjoy. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, based on a lot of the consoles that you've owned, really one of the only ones that would have had like a healthy RPG library on it would be the PS1, unfortunately. (laughs) And that's the thing, and the PS1 was my stepfather's, so I I barely, you know, we had Gran Turismo, um, you know, the Metal Gear Solid, things like that, but but the the world of of Western and JRPGs was just sort of foreign to us, especially... I mean, you know, I dabbled in Morrowind on the PC. Right. Um, and then, you know, on the years, some Mass Effect, things like that. But, yeah, it's, it's always sort of been a, a genre I enjoy but didn't necessarily have access to. Well, I'm really excited to hear that you're you're gaining a new appreciation for the genre, and, of course, it's it's also very important, and I think it's... It, it, it's important to note that the Switch has been a great uh, entry point, which kind of leads us into uh, one of the reasons that I know Jeremy uh, specifically and also is a great segue into, you know, some of his experiences with RPGs. But, uh, you know, Jeremy and I worked uh, at uh, and wrote at Switch RPG uh, for a while. And now, right, uh, just earlier this week, we found out that that's going to be an opportunity for us again, which is very exciting. But uh, Jeremy, would you like to tell us a little bit about your history with RPGs? Absolutely. Uh, So before I get started, you know, I heard a rumor that if you go to the dinosaur forest and kill 100 Brachiosaurs, you can get a resurrection potion to bring Will back to life. So I think we're going to have to try that. Oh. (laughs) We'll see if we can fit that into a quest (laughs) somewhere. Uh, Yeah, so uh, my name's Jeremy. Uh, Yeah, I was a staff writer at Switch RPG. Um, Will be again now that it's back. Uh, But my history with RPGs, I really grew up as a Nintendo kid. Um, So there were were eras in my gaming life where the RPGs were very thin. Uh, but when I was a kid, my absolute all-time favorite RPG of all time was Final Fantasy VI, um, to the point where it made me stingy with other RPGs, because I was constantly comparing it to FF6. Um, another big milestone one for me, we did have a PlayStation, uh, PlayStation 1, so Final Fantasy Tactics was also, you know, very near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm always on the lookout for games that have great stories and strong systems. Uh, I feel like Final Fantasy Tactics really competes with the number one slot in my brain because it just nails it on both counts. Um, some more recent games that I've loved, Octopath Traveler uh, was a big one for me. Uh, <laughs> honestly, uh, actually, uh, Evan, if you remember, Octopath Traveler was really my gateway into becoming a writer on Switch RPG. For sure. um, you were writing an article series about it, and I was like writing very long-winded <laughs> comments in response. Uh Oh yeah. And so, wow. I, I need to ask Jeremy: Did you finish it? 
Octopath, uh, if by finish because you I think mean... So, so many people I've spoken to have not, and it... it yeah. If by finish you mean completed all eight stories, then yes, more than once. If by that you mean killing yeah, wow. the secret ending final boss, uh, no, because I am not a crazy person and I don't have that kind of patience. Um, I actually... No, I wasn't going that far. <laughs> one of my, my quirks uh, with my gaming life is that I really hate post-game content. Mm. Um, I don't like those like, oh, you beat the game, now here's this impossibly hard challenge. Go have at it. That, like, that is not to my taste at all. It makes me not want to play the game again, so I try to avoid those things. First things first, uh, I want to say that uh, of all the the hosts that have been on uh, this podcast uh, previously, everyone has had a different favorite Final Fantasy, um, and I cannot count myself uh, amongst any of those uh, people who have a favorite Final Fantasy, although I guess I would say I like six uh, the most of of those that I've played. (laughs) Um, But, you know, again... Um, <laughs> J- Jeremy, the the article series uh, that that Jeremy references uh, maybe was not the the best first impression uh, to to give from one RPG fan to the other because I was pretty uh, skeptical about Octopath Traveler. It's still something uh, that I have mixed feelings on, but y- you know, actually, over these past three or four years of of writing for Switch RPG, also just kind of uh, getting to know other people who enjoy RPGs, I have kind of settled on, like, talking about the things that I like about RPGs rather than the things that I don't. Um, so I'm hoping, Jeremy, you see that growth in me <laughs> since, uh, <laughs> since that uh, article. But... Um, We've again got a really eclectic a group of uh, of games that that people love, and I'm also very excited to hear your thoughts on my quest uh, for this week, Jeremy, specifically uh, because of your your love of uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, but oh, with all of that out of the way, um, I guess we can move into uh, just what we've been playing recently. Uh, so you know, we've introduced ourselves, but in these in this past week or past couple of weeks we've we've definitely been uh covering some some games i've been all over the place personally um when i thought that will wasn't going to be joining me anymore i i went into a, a spiral of just trying to find a bunch of different rpgs to play and so i i have stated previously uh on the podcast and if you've ever read any of my uh content elsewhere that i'm a I'm very big into deck building RPGs, and that was a lot of what I was playing. I, I dabbled a little bit in Nowhere Profit as well as Monster Train. I actually just completed my first successful run of Monster Train earlier today. Um, and I also played another roguelike called Star Renegades. Um, so just curious, uh, gentlemen, have uh, either of you heard of any of these three titles before I get into what I'd really love to talk about? I feel like I've heard Monster Train name dropped, but I have not experienced it, it, it for myself. It, exactly the same. I've heard it in podcasts. I've got no clue as to how it functions, what the visuals are like. Uh, Monster Train, I mean, the the closest uh, comparison that I can make is to Slay the Spire, but uh, to even just mm. to say that is kind of doing the game a disservice because mechanically they're so different and there are some parts of monster train that as someone who's put in a lot of time into slay the spire i i can 
imagine myself putting in way more time into Monster Train because of how much more friendly a lot of its mechanics are. Um, that's the the long and short of it. <laughs> I could get into like very specific things, but uh, Monster Train, you're on a train and you're going to reignite hell. So that's uh, cool, I guess. <laughs> But yeah, and uh, I, I will just say, just throwing this out here, if either of you are big fans of like really uh, high quality pixel art, Star Renegades is an absolutely gorgeous looking game. I'm actually probably going to post some screenshots uh, onto my Twitter um, from it because some of the character portraits are absolutely crazy. Um, and another game that I... I just finished the demo for that has like some also very good uh, pixel art was uh, Unsighted. I don't know if either of you have heard of or, or played it yet. Similar to Monster Train, I've heard of. Although stepping back, I've just Googled Monster Train, Evan. Turns out I have played it. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't think it got its hooks into me and I've completely pushed it out of my brain. <laughs> I, I, I'm just look, looking, I don't recall playing more than an hour or so. Yeah. Um, but that's. <laughs> Well, and that's, it's always, you know, the the reason that uh, deck building RPGs appeal to me a great deal is because mm-hmm. I was born and raised on Magic the Gathering. And so I'm, I'm just very into the idea of, of building decks over and over. Um, but I, I do know that the, the deck building cycle in combination with the roguelike uh, cycle can be really punishing and not for everybody. So I don't fault, I don't fault you for bouncing off of it. No, the same, and like Slay the, Slay the Spire, I put at least 20 to 30 hours into. I just, I'm having a, it might be the art style. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 yeah, there's something about the art style just looking here that I don't know. it, It, yeah. Yeah, and and Slay the Spire too is 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 a lot more straightforward than Monster Train mm. is. Um, you know, in Monster Train you've got uh, different levels uh, of of where you can summon your monsters, right? And and sometimes if you're not planning ahead properly, you can totally screw yourself over. So uh, it's eh, I, I I like it because I find it much more breakable than uh than mm. slay the spire and i can see why people would like slay the spire for the opposite reason um but nowhere profit also very similar in terms of uh of of deck building rpgs um yeah. but the game that i i just wanted to talk with both of you uh about really quickly is i've i've put uh, several hours into Moco Moco Friends, <laughs> um, and have either of you ever heard of Moco Moco Friends? I've never heard of it. I'm looking at screenshots, and it looks adorable. <laughs> yes, it, it, I'm doing the same thing. It's uh, extremely colorful. It is adorable, and yeah. this is. I, I think the reason that I decided to boot this up was mm. I'm. Um, I know Nick and I uh, said this the first time that, that we spoke, but. I'm like I'm on that right before a Pokemon game releases like monster catching kick where like I really am looking for something to to fill that uh that niche for me and I guess it's kind of unfortunate that Shin Megami Tensei 5 is coming out like a week before 
um, the Diamond and Pearl remakes, because that would have definitely filled that slot. But um, no, Moko Moko Friends is a monster-catching RPG, and it's also kind of got like a magical girl uh, art style to it, too. Um, I got this because, you know, I just went on to uh, a couple of forums, and I was asking people about, you know, 3DS uh, hidden gems, and someone threw this one out there. And after playing for a couple of hours, uh, it it's it's not better than than Pokemon. <laughs> um, I wouldn't uh, think so. You, you know, it, it's uh, I, I'm always, especially when I I look at subgenres, right? I yeah. I think about what the I try to focus on like what the less obvious answer is. And so I don't just want to go and, and talk about Pokemon or even Digimon sometimes, Ooh. right? Um, I, I want to talk more about Nino Kuni or uh, Moko Moko Friends. And so just having... I, I will let it know, Nino Kuni is banned in my household. Oh, dear. Um, the little fella, you know, the drippy guy with the lantern hanging from his nose? Yes. It makes my wife physically sick to see him <laughs> so, is it just because so I mean, is it just because he has an, a lantern on his nose it, it's the idea of something hanging in his nose and it just uh, i've been barred from mentioning it or or having it visible in the household oh, so but he, he's, well, I'll, I'll sneak off and play it he's just a stuffed fairy animal thing i don't, I don't know but uh that's too bad um, well, uh, you could uh, you could also play the sequel, which has no drippy in it. I'm pretty sure. So I, I've got that sitting shrink wrapped in the next room. It's it's on my to do list. So. Yeah, it's on mine too. Um, but yeah, Moko Moko Friends. It's almost a combination between like your Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, where mm. you do have that sort of randomized um, level layout of of hallways and larger rooms. Um, and the battle system is actually very, very, uh, turn-based and traditional in in a lot of ways. I think it's really accessible. I could see this being like the entry point for, I don't know, maybe a a six or seven year old, uh, who, who might want to experiment with some not Pokemon. Um, but yeah. at, at the same time, I feel like Pokemon does that just as well. So uh, this is just a curious game that is very cute. Uh, the writing is also absolutely bizarre. The protagonist is is as dumb as a sack of bricks, <laughs> but everybody, every other supporting character knows that. So it's always mm. just kind of like uh, ribbing her for not really knowing what the hell she's uh, talking about. But uh, yeah, it's it's fun. It's cute. This will probably be the only time you ever hear me talk about it, unless for some reason it's brought up in a quest. How are you? How often do you go back to the 3DS? I'm curious to see how you're finding playing uh, on the 3DS again. Well, you know, a, a part of me has been wanting to go back to the 3DS very much recently, especially as I've been playing. Um, Metroid Dread, right, which mm-hmm. is the uh, you know direct successor to uh, Samus Returns, made by Mercury Steam. Um, but I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I love the 3DS, so any excuse to to boot that uh, system up again and to play you know some quality content on it is, is I'm going to take advantage of. 
I will say, though, as someone who has a uh, Hori Split Pad Pro on my Switch, you know, those like big, chonky... Yep, uh, yep. I've got the same thing. Yeah, so you know, quite enjoyable. going from that back to a 3DS, my hands were hardcore falling asleep <laughs> last night when I was trying to play through this. Um, and I don't know how I did it uh, for all of those years, but I did. Um, and so... That that's that's the only the form factors is the thing that's kind of um, been been a major gripe. I was also just recently playing, you know, Tetris Effect Connected, and I wanted to go back and play Medios uh, on mm. on the 3DS, and that actually has touchscreen controls, and I didn't have a stylus like within a room of me, so I was like, well, I'm not playing this game. <laughs> So I don't know. Uh, I, th- I think I need to like really get back into uh, what I love about the th- the 3DS with a game that really takes advantage of all those features. But that's that's the long and short of it. Um, so Nick, what have uh, what have you been playing lately? Before I do, I've just got a question. Have you what's there's that game that came out last? Voice of Cards is that on your to do list? The Square Enix um, RPG, it's almost a deck builder, but you're actually moving a chess piece across physical cards that lay out and make out the the continent or the map. Uh, So in a previous episode, I did play the demo, um, which is about, it's about an hour long, right? Yeah, I did the same. uh, I think it it gives you a really good idea of, I I think, what the game is going to be like. So I guess, Jeremy, what were your thoughts of the demo? Because I've already shared them on the podcast. Yeah, my impression was I felt like there were a lot of good ideas there. Um, It had Mm. what I felt like was a solid core RPG system. My issue came down with the execution, and it just felt like it was slow as molasses. Like, every movement, (laughs) every attack, every menu choice, it just felt like... I was walking through, you know, a river of syrup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I, I recall seeing you maybe post about that on Twitter too. I did, yeah. Um, I the animations, combat animations, moving through dungeons just felt like a, a big slog, which is not something that you want in a game that this is trying to be. Which yeah, it's I, so, I, so simple mechanically by the looks of things, you'd expect to just be able to jump up to the meat of it. Right, Rather and re- to, yeah. really, what what Voice of Cards is, even though it's it uses the card aesthetic, it is it's a dungeon crawler, right? Mm-hmm. And if you think about going through dungeons, you want to do that efficiently and and quickly. And the game isn't really letting you do that. But I've also heard that like people's total playtime for it was like eleven to twelve hours. And on one hand, like that makes me think that maybe the slowness of the game is a uh, padding i I, I actually yeah yeah, maybe yeah um but also to hear that this rpg that's i believe 30 bucks is uh, only that long makes me think that maybe there's not a whole lot of depth other uh like elsewhere in the game um and like a lot of what you could do uh, with its systems was kind of shown off in the demo, so that did kind of push me away from that. But yeah, I don't you're know. not sure if you can sit another ten hours of the same thing. Yeah, actually. yeah. I okay. know that 
But October was a, a wild month for Square Enix because earlier they released Dungeon Encounters, which did either of you find that appealing in any way? Uh, I haven't written yet. down. Yeah, it's on, it's on my when I need something that's probably a little less grand, we'll say. Least. Yeah, because <laughs> that, that game is like all gameplay yeah literally no aesthetics or like narrative so i don't know it's uh it, it seems like both of those releases uh, they i almost feel like they could have like bundled them together as like a full price experience and said like hey this is all about narrative and like aesthetics in voice of cards and dungeon encounters is just like all gameplay but yeah, here's a here's a mechanics game pack essentially of of ideas that aren't fully fleshed out but there's enough yeah, there that you can see what we've got our smaller teams working on. Right, because yeah, that's definitely that. what everything felt like. Um, but aside from that, um, ha- has anything been uh, of interest to you lately, Nick? What have you been uh, delving been into? A, yeah, no, it's been an odd week here in Australia because we actually had, so obviously Pikmin Bloom came out mobile-wise. Um, uh, but locally, we also had the Diablo Immortal and Fantasy Life Online betas come out. Um so work's been quite hectic this week, so I thought, well, it's the perfect opportunity to actually start dabbling into some mobile gaming, which I often avoid. Um, I'd, I'd played the Diablo Immortal Alpha maybe six months ago so as well. They okay. launched that in Australia, and I don't know why we've become a dumping ground, but I'm okay with this. <laughs> um, and it, it, it's frustrating. So both of these games, franchises I love, you know, Diablo, uh, Loved One, Loved Two, Loved Three, Got the Diablo 2 um, resurrected um, last month and, you know, s- took a day off work, s- stayed up till six in the morning playing that, you know, absolutely loved myself. Fantasy okay. Life, and I'll talk about them at the same because they're almost opposites here with where I'm going to present that Fantasy Life <laughs> on the 3DS, I I did not play a lot of RPGs on the 3DS. I played your Pokemons. Fantasy Life came out of nowhere. A friend suggested it to me and I, I, I don't know... Evan, I know we spoke briefly, you didn't really get into it. Jeremy, I don't know if you've touched Fantasy Life before? I haven't. Essentially, think of it as a... It's like a Final Fantasy-style RPG, but more of um, you've got... You know, the job type system is really expanded. So instead of actually just being someone that goes out, you know, you've got mages and blah, your job type could be a lumberjack. So you're your main goal when you're going out and about and fighting bad guys is, hey, I've got to make sure I cut down some trees as well because I need that lumber. So when I go back, I can level up my lumberjack skills. And then maybe you want to start dabbling into your other life of being a builder. Well, I've got the lumberjack skill. I've got the builder skill. I can now start building furniture. Um, you know, so it was very sort of involved and, and there was a lot of different uh, different elements there because you could play, you could really play the game with how you wanted, like a lumberjack, a mage, a warrior, um, an alchemist, um, you know, the way, minor. It was yeah, it was fascinating. The the way that I would describe it is it it was like a it, it was almost like a a rune factory where yes. every yep. every every sort of like little uh, sub feature had its own um quest like very extensive game game length quest line to it right because because each of these jobs each of these uh lives um 
you know, had its own characters that you interacted with and reasons to go from one place to the next. Um, but, uh, and I, I will say, I, I put a fair bit of time into fantasy yeah. life. Um, I, I don't want to get that twisted. Um, I, I just, I think I probably, I would have enjoyed it a little bit more if it weren't so dialogue heavy. Yeah. Um, because it is. Um, and I also really feel like I missed the boat on multiplayer because that really seems like it would be the reason that I would want to play that game. And by the time I was really getting into it, uh, nobody else was was in the same boat as me. So, uh, hey, I mean, if you want an excuse to play Fantasy Life, uh, just hit me up. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll load her up. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, and, and that leads me, I guess, to, you know, Diablo. Uh, most people know what Diablo is. You know, it's, it's you click, you loot. It's all great. The Diablo mobile game, it's, you know, obviously when they first announced it, this was, you know, the classic um, BlizzCon, just, you know, they, I believe they got booed and no one was happy with what was being announced here. Um it's not bad. It, it's it's more akin to Diablo 3 than Diablo 2. And by that, I mean, you know, Diablo 3, you're slamming spells down. There's AOE attacks. There's it's a lot of visual activity going on the screen. Diablo 2 is often more pinpointed as to your attacks direct to the enemy. So you've got, you know, more direct. It's less just splashing spells, splashing lightning around the place. But almost what they've done is taken Diablo 3 and, you know, obviously simplify it for mobile phones. You've got a quest list there. You tap on your quest. Your character can just walk off to your quest for you. You know, you're um, a, a lot of your your spells are quite simple. You've got you know all four spells just visible on the screen there. Just tap them, slam them down. It's a lot more automated. The the loot system you pick up. It's just very clear stats of is this better? Is this worse off? There's no oh, there's you know 27 different stats that it can alternate. Which one's better for your character class? it's got all that caked into it. So if you're really just looking for that Diablo 3, I guess, you know, something to fill the gap because we don't know what Diablo 4 is going to be like, it, it, it's worth a dabble. It's worth a look. Um, I, I hooked up one of my 8-bit Doe controllers to it as well and was playing with the controller and it seemed, you know, perfectly fine. It's not no piece, you know, no keyboard and mouse, but from a Diablo perspective, it, especially on mobile it's you know you'd never want to play something like diablo 2 on mobile it's a bit slow it's a bit clunky but i do find and this is my problem with mobile games i'm sure there's a rich story in there i wouldn't have a clue i hit that (laughs) skip button every single time a text box comes up because you know you're sitting on the bus you're, you're you're just sitting at home on the couch for 20 minutes you're not there to spend a lot of time um reading what our good friend Deckard Kane has to say, but presentation-wise, it, it, absolutely outstanding. You know, they've—I I remember playing the alpha. It—I don't even know what I'm allowed to say because I just had to tick things. But it looks better than it did six months ago, um, and it, it's been quite enjoyable. And I, I probably fell off that after you know four or five hours because I had played the alpha. I've got enough. Got through Act One saw what I needed to see. Um, a lot of the things are closed off at the moment with regards to marketplace and things like that. But, you know, it's gamified. It's mobile gamified. It's get your daily quest, get your items here. But nowhere near as bad as fine, as Fantasy Life Online, which mm. I think in the first hour I played it, I probably only ran around in the world for five minutes. Because you know, it was... 
a hundred systems, each one presenting you with that, you know, three, four, five page explanation, click here, click here, click here, and just layering that on. And like you're saying before, Evan, it's a game where you've got so many different styles of gameplay. They're effectively trying to introduce some of the mechanics for all of those styles of gameplay up front. And, and from a mobile phone yeah, perspective, that's... there's too much. And the thing that really did me in and really hurt was the actual presentation. It's, I don't want to be harsh. I will never normally be this harsh, but it looks like the buttons were designed in PowerPoint. You know, like this, the screen button, the buttons you're interacting with during conversation on screen just look like someone's drawn a circle in PowerPoint, written next, and then pasted that as an uh, asset. It's, I, yeah. In 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 terms of the you know just like in-game graphics though, because you know I, I recall Fantasy Life having a actually very nice aesthetic. I think it was a very cute game, but. Are the aesthetics similar? I mean, it's yeah. Is it's, it a it's, downgrade? It's still in that got way? that chibi sort of you know look to it. Um, graphic wise, I have not looked at the 3DS. I'm just pulling up a quick screenshot or two of the 3DS version. I, I do think there's a lot more going on on screen on the 3DS version. You know, there's it, it's probably somewhat similar with regards to art style, but I don't know. That it's it's just wild to me to. Um, to even hear the the name Fantasy Life, and that's the, when when did it come out? In I think the <laughs> the mobile it was twenty eighteen or something. It was announced and released in Japan, so I've got absolutely no clue why this is happening now. Um, yeah, but it's really bizarre. what really hurt was after thirty five minutes when I actually got into a little dungeon, a little level. I enjoyed the gameplay more than Diablo, and that <laughs> that really? hurt. Because I had to wade yeah. through so much just to get there. And even now I'm finding I'm getting, you know, it's that classic. I don't know if either of you played Dragalia Lost. But it, it, it's your classic, you know, mobile phone game of here's your main story. Click to the menu, up oh, sub-menu one, chapter two, chapter two B. Tap that, open up the quest, run through the little dungeon area. Um, while you're in that dungeon area, great. Although I will say I've probably done about five quests and I think I keep being taken back to the exact same map. Um, so I, I, only probably, you know, a couple of hours in here. I will keep going with it, but the sheer amount of text being presented to you, the sheer amount of just configuration of summons, of daily quests, of all these things that really don't seem to have an impact at all so far. Um, it, yeah, that's always yeah. been the thing that's driven me away from mo certain mobile games. Yeah. You start playing and it seems straightforward and you're enjoying it. And then as you level up, as you get deeper in, they keep throwing subsystem yeah. after subsystem at you and you end up having all these chores to do before you can actually play the game. That's the, and I think they've been throwing um, right. too many too quickly. And I flip back to Diablo because Diablo really was just plop you down in a map. You've got one spell. As you level up, you get a new spell. It adds, you know, they streamlined that mobile phone progression. Whereas this was very much, I mean, and in their defense, you know, the game's been out for three years. So, it, it, you know, it's almost like when, when Fantasy Star Universe was coming out here, it just threw you straight into the deep end. Um, and, and that, hopefully that's something they can work on ahead of the actual launch. Because I think if they do that, the gameplay seems fun. 
but the wrappings around it seem horrendous and upset me. And yeah, yeah that's bizarre. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I mean, level five to me is just such a strange publisher. Uh, a lot of the things that they do with their properties uh, don't really make a whole lot of sense mm. to me. Um, so I'm just surprised to see fantasy life rearing its head again. You know, I, I know I mentioned to you that like, Maybe one of the only mobile prospects that I would even consider getting into would be the Nino Kuni uh, mobile game that has been teased. But for a lot of the same reasons that Jeremy just mentioned, I I find uh, mobile games to be really inaccessible. And I have a lot of friends who play um, I, I don't what whatever. V- crazy final fantasy uh gotcha games exist out there you know there's like nine of them war yeah and yeah trust (laughs) me i know i know i know brave exvius is one that's that's all that i know though i was really Um, in the record keeper for a while oh yeah um and then there's one other one that's got like a weird name like i want to say war of the lions but isn't that isn't that a Tactics Ogre title? I, I, I don't know. Well, War of the Lions uh, was the subtitle for uh, Final Fantasy Tactics on the PSP. But there uh, is something, it's it's something like that, War of the Something. I, I feel like there's listeners screaming at us now. Yeah, I don't, no, did, I did either so, of you ever make the mistake? <laughs> War of the Visions, the, War of the Visions. The Final Fantasy VII mobile game that came out around the time, or maybe two, three years ago, and it was really it was one of those ones that was just like a mobile ad. You know, you've got your village, you send your troops up to attack the towers. I just remember getting ads for that everywhere. And there's something, something strange in that space. So I'm, I'm honestly actually the only square Enix, uh, or actually the only final fantasy theme mobile game that appeals to me is that crazy one that, that version of seven, that's going to try to uh, cover like, literally the entire chronology of all of the seven spinoffs and, and stuff i'm forgetting I, what the it, title it of just it popped is, up in like, my registration on uh, android the other week so it's it's can't be far away yeah but aside from that mobile yeah. games and and the way that they introduce tasks is always daunting to me and then i hate to see that also appear in like console games too like that was one of the reasons i didn't like playing um immortals phoenix rising is that there was like uh, a checklist of things that they were always asking you to to look in on and link your account yeah to. but 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 that is that you know is that standard i want to say standard ubisoft like what's your exposure because i, I i'm a bit the same yeah. i anytime <laughs> i jump into the outside world i'm like what on earth is going on here <laughs> yeah, that, that's a, this. This is a good point. This is a good point. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I'm I'm glad to hear that you're that you've got some mobile experience for us. And... Yes, I, I never I never last more than half a dozen hours on these games, but I have at least twenty of them installed. I think actually just yesterday, a Tales of Luminaria installed onto my phone. So <laughs> I will endeavor. But no, normally you know it, it will normally be console. But like I said this week's been hectic, and there hasn't been a lot. I say that, but I think I've had five games arrive in the mail this week, and I'm not even sure what they are. It was a series of it was a series of limited run game back orders that uh, Bug Fables was in there actually, so I might start having a look at that. 
uh, one of my favorites, one of my favorites. Be, I would be very curious to hear your thoughts, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there, right? Yeah, that's it for me, really. Other than that, um, a bit of Mario Party has been fun. Obviously not RPG related, but always a good time. You get friends, friends and family around for some Mario Party and drinks. You can't really go wrong until you lose and then everyone hates each other. But. Well, I, I for one am eagerly awaiting the next installment in the Dokkan <laughs> Kingdom series which is an RPG version of okay. Mario Party. But uh, maybe we'll talk about that at some point in the future. Jeremy, you haven't been playing any RPGs lately. I haven't. But what have you been playing? Well, I was playing Metroid Dread. Uh, I beat it, and then I started playing it again, and then I started getting the itch uh, to play Super Metroid. So I jumped ship, and I've been replaying Super Metroid uh, the past week. And where have you been playing Super Metroid? I've been playing it on my Switch through the NSO app. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting to go from really, like, the newest Metroid game uh, with all of its uh, modern niceties and then going back to Super Metroid, which is, I think, still the best Metroid game, but with a lot of uh, kind of old-school headaches. Um, I'd really love it if we could blend some of the new with the old for the next one yeah I, i'd say that uh super metroid is probably the oldest playable uh metroid game <laughs> i don't know i mean i mean i still uh, enjoy metroid 2 uh, uh the game boy yeah version? <laughs> i i'm a, one of those weird people who likes that game okay all right i mean you uh, i uh i i can't argue with you on, on that <laughs> um I've heard a lot of, of talk about uh, Dread and, you know, its relation to the other games. And obviously, whenever, uh, <laughs> well, I guess the, the, the only uh, case where people weren't asking, is this the next, uh, is this newest Metroid the best Metroid, was probably when <laughs> Other M came out, right? Um, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts uh, about Dread just kind of finishing that up and... Uh, it's clear that you you still think uh, super is the best i think super is great for very particular reasons but um you know just comparing the two any any thoughts uh yeah so i think what dread does really really well is uh its whole control system uh the way samus moves it's very mm. quick uh it's snappy you can always kind of do what you're trying to do um, if that makes sense. Uh, whereas, yeah. you know, going back to Super Metroid, you know, I'm sitting there trying to wall jump and I want to pull my hair out because uh, of how close the yeah. timing is. Um, yeah, and plus sure. there's the extra button press to point the other direction. I felt like, yeah, I mean, everything everyone said, like the boss battles were phenomenal. Uh, I thought the atmosphere was great. Um, wasn't super thrilled with the linearity. Uh, it was still enjoyable. I just had to kind of mentally accept in my mind that the game was going to be pushing me in a certain direction every step of the way. Yeah, you know, I think with Metroid uh, more and... Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, the longer you spend time with uh, a Metroidvania, I, I feel you kind of learn the, the areas in which you can uh, finagle things and True. go off in, in your own direction. But I did... Uh, you know, I, I do think I wasted like a good 20 to 30 minutes of uh, of my playtime the other day, just like hoping to go back to something and realizing that I was not equipped to to backtrack in the way that uh, 
that I wanted. And that was, it, it was a little disappointing. Um, but I, I will say that Dread does feel like a, a thrill ride, you know, like when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, it does definitely feel like you're constantly being pushed forward and, and being challenged in new ways. And if you go back to Super, that's not really the vibe of that game all that much. And maybe it's just like, you know, play speed. But I I often find Super to just be more contemplative and yes. and maybe it's it's weird to say meandering because ultimately it's a shorter game than dread right so even even if you're going at a slower pace through super you're still going to complete it faster than dread so what, what's the uh, play time usually for super because i know dread i think people were getting eight ten twelve hours or so i think yeah i think a, a couple of hours i think if once you yeah, okay. got it down for a long play, I think yeah. Speedrunners yes. obviously have it cut yes, down to like talk about those inhumans. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I I actually got myself in trouble with Super Metroid because you know I've played this game many times and I've watched speedruns and so I've learned a few tricks and so I was like I'm just gonna really intentionally sequence break this time and I I did and I went on this run where I was just grabbing all these items out of order and then I stopped. I got. I ran into a wall where I couldn't move forward without a certain item. Like there was no more sequence breaking I could do, and I had no flipping idea where to go because <laughs> uh, I was so far off the beaten path. <laughs> I had lost whatever direction the game was giving me, so I ended up wandering around for like a half hour until I figured out where I was supposed to be. I was surprised to see that people had picked up some speedrunning strats um, with Dread, kind of like right off the bat. But again, a lot of a lot mm-hmm. of that stuff is previously explored territory from the metroid series right Mm. your infinite bomb jumps and and all that stuff so is it all that surprising to see that people are 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 getting into that not really um you know i'm hoping to see some some neat new stuff um i remember watching uh it was either uh, awesome games or summer games um, I saw the speed run mm-hmm. of Samus Returns, and some of the uh, some of the speed run strats for that game are like game breaking, uh, <laughs> which which I, I always <laughs> tend to enjoy a whole lot more than. Well, I, I guess I shouldn't say that I enjoy it more than watching the technical stuff. It's just there there are two different kinds of appeals, uh, definitely. But um, yeah. Jeremy, in terms of of what yeah. you're you're looking to get into next do you have any sort of idea of what direction you want to go in for your next rpg i'm not sure um i know i want to start another rpg soon and i've got a backlog of them so like i could certainly mull through like i haven't played cosmic star heroine yet um i haven't played shadows of adam yet i've got both of those like i own them i just need to sit down and play them I still need to roll credits on a couple of longer titles like Final Fantasy XI. They're not Final Fantasy XI. Dragon Quest XI I haven't uh, rolled credits on yet. Uh, Bravely Default Two I haven't rolled credits on yet. I kind of burned out after about 30, 40 hours. Um, yeah, I get that. So might jump into one of those. But at the same time, I'm in the middle of a Metroidvania kick, and like my copy of Dawn of Sorrow is staring at me from my bookshelf saying, play <laughs> me again. So we're going to see what happens. Yeah, if only there were a uh, combination of Metroidvania mechanics and RPG mechanics that we could really sink our teeth into. Um, oh, wait, 
I did just pick up, uh, what is it, Monster Sanctuary, uh, which is... <laughs> oh, I want to play Monster Sanctuary so bad. Yeah, um, I think that's on sale, uh, maybe, or maybe it just went uh, off sale. But um, yeah, I picked that up because, again, I'm I'm right, I'm right in that same place where Dread really has my blood pumping, and I'm like, but could I add RPG to this? Um, and I suppose I could just play a, a Castlevania game, right? Or an Egavania game, uh, if I really wanted that, but you know, who knows? Literally just came off sale today. Oh darn! Uh, well, it is. I say, Monster Sanctuary is quite fun. I've got a, I've got a, an Xbox Series S here that's covered in dust, but I did. Uh, it's on, it's on Game Pass. So every now and again, I jump on and have a tinker, and that, that was quite fun. Yeah, you know, Game Pass such a great uh, way to play a lot of indie stuff. I know. I, I was just reading a tweet that said that Bug Fables itself is on. Um, game pass and i was like that is a freaking steal because that's one of my favorite uh indie rpgs uh, of recent memory but uh yeah um i'm, I'm hoping you uh f- find something that you want to talk about next week uh <laughs> we'll, we'll have a quick report next week that'd be great <laughs> yeah uh, but i will say you know in terms of some of the the stuff that you mentioned uh here at the podcast, uh, we are big fans of shorter uh, RPGs, and Shadows of Adam, Cosmic Star Heroine, both nice, brisk, short experiences. But I would uh, lean more towards Cosmic Star Heroine, especially if you are a fan of... I'm not going to say that it is as good as Chrono Trigger, but to me it feels like a game that uh, is is of that caliber. Well, that is a strong endorsement and i will take it under consideration um but i i also just started playing uh cthulhu saves christmas uh (laughs) recently and uh, that's from the same developers as avoid and i found that to be very mechanically similar uh to cosmic star heroine so maybe it was just because like all of the ideas that uh cosmic star heroine kind of uh put put into its its gameplay and and uh it's even just like the combination of narrative and and aesthetics too i think that all worked a little bit better uh for me than than cthulhu saves christmas but i'm really excited about their next game which is i believe a magical girl lovecraftian rpg uh that that also has shakespeare uh <laughs> Uh, allegories these out of a hat now haven't they (laughs) it's it kind of sounds like it but uh yeah this way madness lies i think is uh is what that game's gonna be called but uh if we are all finished talking about stuff that we've been playing recently i guess it's time to get into quests and the weird thing about this is obviously will did fall um quite hilariously um, and pathetically in his boss battle. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Will, if you're listening to this. Um, but I've still got a quest that I uh, had to take on um, f- from our last episode. So I did just want to touch on that, especially because I think both of you might have some thoughts about it. Um, but I do also want to assure our listeners that um, we wanted to take this this first episode to kind of introduce uh these these new hosts and and give you a feel for how things are going to be moving forward but 
we're going to be coming back uh, with next episode with a new quest board and maybe some other neat new mechanics uh, that hopefully uh, my co-hosts will be up to play around with. Um, But for right now, I did want to talk about my quest, which was number 34 on our original quest board, uh, which was a subgenre that you hate or that you never got into. Uh, So... I kind of hinted at this beforehand, but uh, my answer for this is kind of surprising because I have quite a bit of experience with this subgenre. I was going to say, so before you announce I... it, that means it's a genre you hate. Is that how I'm reading that? <laughs> As opposed to <laughs> yeah, one you haven't well, gotten into. <laughs> I've gotten into it, but it's 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 very rare that I find a game in this genre that really clicks with me. Um, So I would say that for the most part, I dislike this genre and this subgenre is tactics RPGs. Uh, Well, I mean, I guess you could say strategy or tactics. We've had this discussion before. Um, I'll, 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 I'll say strategy RPGs because I feel that, tactics even though final fantasy tactics does it in a certain way tactics is more about um well actually now that i think about it i would say tactics is small scale strategy is large scale yes you could almost take it like tactics yeah is your smaller on screen whereas strategy is your larger sprawling map type scenario yeah but we're not here to define genres, though, so it's okay. <laughs> no, uh, I'm I'm glad that you're you're uh, pointing out these semantics to me because yeah, I I would say that I've enjoyed more tactics games than I have strategy games. But I would ask both of you, where do you think that Fire Emblem falls here? Is that a strategy game or a tactics game or a waifu simulator? But we we'll park that. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that is, that is a good point. I mean, when when I thought about this quest, one of I'm going to say that you know one of my least favorite uh, franchises is Fire Emblem. Um, the first Fire Emblem that I ever completed was Awakening, but I watched uh, a playthrough of Radiant Dawn um, and Path of Radiance. Um, I kind of just uh observed fates from afar because i was kind of grossed out by it um and three houses was something that that i really bounced off of but i've played other strategy games too um, or at least i've played games that are more in the vein of fire emblem in terms of of their grid-based uh strategy which i'm 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 making this statement right now i think that fire emblem is a strategy game Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'm just going to go straight by Wikipedia where it's telling me it's tactical. So, you know, we can't, we can't argue with Wikipedia. There's, there's no doubt some sources there we can reference. I mean, I, I, could, see, I could see the argument going either way. Um, like tactics, when I think of tactics, I think of something like Advance Wars, right? Where your, mm, okay, your yep. units, you don't really have unique units. It's more about... Uh, how you utilize your resources and and move them around the map um whereas a lot of strategy rpgs are more about having very unique units that 
uh, are on much larger battlefields. So that's that's usually how I uh, envision uh, the the two subgenres. But I guess maybe I don't really have a great answer for this because I would consider Fire Emblem and its ilk strategy. Um, and I, I would say that I haven't really ever gotten into a whole lot of tactics games. I mean, I haven't played a whole lot of games like um, like Advance Wars, for example. Um, but I mean, the the games that that have that I've clicked with the most have been games like SteamWorld Heist or um, yeah. Into the Breach, which to me they they combine roguelike elements to make skirmishes feel smaller and more snappy because I hate the idea of like going through a really long map and ending up you know having my team wiped or or my uh, fail state objectives kicking in and then just wiping out all of my progress to me that that's never really appealing um, but that's that's where I'd have to land uh, in and in in terms of this discussion and uh, I'm curious to hear either of your thoughts what is it I, I guess in general that you know, is it is it the the mechanic itself? Is it the, is it the way the mechanic? Like, what's the bit really that? I guess you know, if you were to narrow it down to something that really does not click. Well, I I think you know a, a lot of these games do a disservice to the idea of strategy because mm-hmm. um, when when you're factoring in movement and positioning um, in, in a lot of games like this. Uh, you usually have that sort of chessboard uh, functionality that yep. often leads to very straightforward ways of of handling uh, certain kinds of of challenges. I mean, you hear the term turtling, you know, used a lot in in how you should be dealing with uh, skirmishes in games like these because it's a tried and true sort of strategy that rarely ever fails um and i i feel that not a lot of these strategy games do enough uh that's unique with their map design um to to make to make each uh, sort of chapter feel uh very rewarding you know one of my favorite games i guess and you could argue that this is a tactics game um, or a strategy game. I don't know. This is now I'm, I'm confusing myself. Um, but one of my favorite turn-based <laughs> strategic games is Codename Steam, which asks a whole lot of the player to, uh, you know, from a map-to-map basis, where you have uh, a lot of varying uh, objectives and you also have enemies that are respawning and pushing you further into the map um, and and kind of making you continue to be mobile and rethink your positioning on the map and i think that's something that with a lot of like overhead grid-based strategy games i don't see working all that well Um, or I, i just i don't see I'm not seeing great examples of that genre being revolutionized, if that makes sense. I mean, it's a funny question, but have you played Mario and Rabbids? Oh, oh, 
Hell yes, I have, and I love that game. Um, because what I'm just sort of, I, you know, I was thinking to the sequel. Obviously, I think they're they're going away with the grid system, right? Which I think to me is quite fascinating. They're going more to that sort of free reign movement. Much is like, uh, what is it Val- Valkyria Chronicles? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, to that more sort of free movement, and yeah, I I don't as well. I don't enjoy that snap to grid style. Um, I, I loved Fire Emblem um, Three Houses. That was the first Fire Emblem I've ever played. Um, I played through, I think, uh, three times because I did what, what two and a half times. I did two, two and a half of those different story sets. Right. But I think, yeah, Ma- Marion. It's it's yeah. I'm a bit like you. It's it's not a genre I get into too often. And and what, one of the reasons that I loved uh, Mario and Rabbids so much is that I didn't feel that the the grid limited me all that much because of mm. the mobility options that characters had yeah. hop, hop off each other and bounce off of walls and it, yeah. it was just so much more fun to to move around and and everything felt so much more kinetic than a lot of these games tend to feel and on one hand you want to maybe imbue the this genre in some sense of realism but on the other hand uh aren't video games about like not being completely real i I don't know so it's uh i guess maybe a a sort of half answer because i i can't really say that i like either (laughs) uh sort of division right of of tactics uh or strategy all that much and it's it's tough to me too because like a game that came out just recently uh ever tried uh, this sort of like tactics um, roguelike on on a bunch of different platforms that is turn based, but actually penalizes you for waiting longer in between turns to make strategic decisions. Like to me, that that seems like something that <laughs> sounds a lot more fun because I'm not agonizing over the choices that I'm making, um, which I yeah. think is another element of the genre that that I don't really enjoy all that much. Yeah, conversely, that could be very frustrating if you're someone who likes to take their time making decisions. For sure, yeah. I, I mean, I totally get it. Um, but I also, I, I, like, again, one of the reasons I love Into the Breach is that your options are extremely limited, but the the things that you can do have such tangible um, and sort of, like, permanent effects that all... Every option that you can take uh, is laid out very clearly in front of you, so you know all the things that you're capable of doing um, at any point, if that makes sense. Because, you know, again, there's also that whole percentage-based flim-flam that sometimes you get into of, oh, I have a 92% chance of hitting this thing, and yet I still missed. Uh, which I think is kind of frustrating. Yeah, um, I, was, I was to say to that, never play a Disgaea game then. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> don't, don't, don't go down that rabbit hole because it is just, it, it, it's a beautified numbers simulator. But the, uh, it's, uh, I don't know if, you, Jeremy, if you've ever gone down that rabbit hole, you, you the level of complexity and what you can do, you know, you can enter your weapons to level up your weapons by running tactical RPG maps within the weapons. Um, like it's just it, even down to doing that for a chocolate bar that can then when you get out of it give you more health back in the 
main tactics RPG. So it's just layers of numbers, and it's yeah. Yeah, yeah I've it, just it sounds... flirted with that series. I haven't gotten too deep. Yeah, I don't think anyone should. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds wild and crazy, but uh, you know, the the last thing that I would just say on this topic is. You know, I I recall reviewing uh, a game that was out on Steam for a while before it came to Switch called Fell Seal uh, Arbiter's Mark. Um, And, you know, a lot of the people who reviewed it said something along the lines of, well, this game plays exactly like Final Fantasy Tactics or like Mm. a more polished version of Final Fantasy Tactics, um, but the story isn't as good. but I guess that's why we would recommend it. And to me, it's I'm, like... I'm liking its art style. Just having a quick look. It's quite nice. <laughs> that's uh, from some of the guys who made uh, Black Sigil, right? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, and, you know, to me, if we're still aspiring to be like a game that is uh, at least 25 years old, more than that, maybe... Uh, I, I don't know when, when Tactics was first released, but um, you know, if we're still aiming to to emulate that style of gameplay, how how much has this genre really evolved, and what's being done to make this genre more appealing to uh, plebeians like me? I mean, it's it's one of those funny genres because, and this is, I guess, I was just having a think. Obviously, the the tactics and strategy discussion. It probably depends where you come from because I come when I hear the word strategy, I'm immediately going StarCraft. I'm going Civilization. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, not. I mean, you could heck, you could argue that Civilization is an RPG given how much you can actually do in that game. Yeah. But, you know, and I think there's. It's probably one of those ones that is such a wide genre, but. Like I was saying, you know, Final Fantasy Tactics, things are held up to that light more often than not. And I, I would like to think there's so much more bubbling under that surface, but, yeah, it's not not an area I'm in-depth enough into. But you can't just sit, you know, we, we can't sit here and think that uh, everything's going to have copied that because there has to be someone out there. Sure, and I guess maybe if I really wanted to get very, very specific about this answer, I would say that... The genre that I, I've never really gotten into or that I really dislike is the Japanese strategy RPG. Because when I think of that, I immediately, what comes to mind is the grid-based, sort of unit-centric uh, sort of gameplay style, uh, which I think is how a lot of those games look. Yep. And uh, when you think of something like Faster Than Light, yes, or StarCraft, those are both strategy games that are very, very different because of the, the people who are making them. I think we all agree that Mario on Rabbids 2 will cure us all. Uh, I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this because I think Breath of the Wild uh, sequel is coming out next year. Anyway, fingers crossed, right? But um, <laughs> with that being said... Mario and Rabbids uh, sequel is one of my most anticipated games of 2022. That is excellent to hear. So before we close things out, uh, you know, something that I wanted to extend to 
my co-hosts is just during this quest uh, segment to give our audience an idea of how you would sum up your personality or or your tastes in RPGs uh, for everybody. Um, I think that would be helpful in in kind of giving us not just as as your co-hosts an idea of what you're going to enjoy, um, but also uh, give our audience maybe some indication of what you might be focusing on in the future. Um, you know, I think I've been very straightforward in saying, you know, uh, deck-based RPGs are, are something that I like, um, and I have talked about my dislike of Japanese strategy RPGs, <laughs> but uh, Jeremy, we haven't heard from you in a little bit. Would you like to start us off? Yeah, uh, summing up my taste in RPGs, uh, I definitely have very classical tastes. Uh, I enjoy traditional turn, turn-based JRPGs quite a bit. Um, but there are also, you know, several subgenres I like. I really enjoy roguelikes. Um, part of, you know, one of the most exciting things about the Nintendo Switch is just how many indie games, you know, as a console gamer, I haven't done a lot of indie gaming, but with the Switch, like, they've just been pouring in. So I've been able to try out all these experiences that I hadn't gotten to before um so you know things like tangle deep into the breach uh blanking on the name moonlighter uh lots of really enjoyable roguelikes that have gotten a chance to try out um i do enjoy tactics rpgs uh (laughs) as i mentioned final fantasy tactics is one of maybe my favorite game ever i'm super excited for triangle strategy coming out next year Yes, I, I'm very much looking forward to hearing your thoughts about it. But, yeah, but not that's... playing it yourself. <laughs> just... <laughs> right. I, I'll live vicariously through you. There you go. I'll give you the lowdown. Anything else? Uh, yeah, I mean, really, for me, you know, what makes or breaks an RPG, I think it does come down, as I said before, to either its stories or its systems. They're games that I enjoy purely for their story. Um, there's a game originally released on the, I think on the PSP that was on the Switch called The Longest Five Minutes. Um, as bare bones uh, systems that you could get, you know, very straightforward. Your characters gain levels, they learn abilities, everybody's set in their classes, that's it. Um, but the story of that game is really interesting and really thought-provoking um, in its own little quirky way. Um on the flip side, you know, a game like uh, Final Fantasy VIII, which I finally rolled credits on this past year, um, I love the systems in that game. I find a lot of the dialogue of the game uh, cringeworthy, makes me want to shut off the game. <laughs> uh, and cool. maybe that's just, that might come down to story, that might come down to translation, I'm not sure. Uh, but I did finally get through it, um, but the systems carried me a long way on that one. <clears throat> Cool. All right. Um, and I guess I would. The last thing that I would ask you is, what what kind of RPG would you consider to be a challenge for you to complete? Uh, well, <laughs> right now, anything that's long. Because uh, with two young kids at home, my gaming time is limited. It's a great question. Yeah. If you want to give it some thought, I can uh, yeah, toss me, it over to Nick. Really. Yeah, let me think for a minute. <laughs> I was going to say, if I get Jeremy for one of the challenges where I get to select, I think I'm just picking Trails of Cold Steel, a good hundred hours each. So you know, that's... 
I I've played I've played enough Trails of Cold Steel to last me a lifetime, and I only played three. Um, so Nick, tell us uh, what are what are some games that you know sum up your your personality, your your tastes in RPGs, or just what what are the the uh, elements that appeal to you in RPGs? Coincidentally, in my notes I've written, I've summed up everything with the words Trails of Cold Steel three. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I think for me, it's a funny one. Trials of Cold Steel Three seems to be a culmination of every gameplay mechanic, every art style, every story style, every world building style that I've enjoyed across a multitude of RPGs. Um, and like I said earlier, I had no idea these games existed until nine months ago. Um, so for me, I, I'm always really drawn to a, a big exploratory world. And Final Fantasy VIII was one of my first RPGs. So, you know, Jeremy's, you know, as you're going through those different towns, you're going to Balam, you're, you're traveling, just the, the range of culture almost that you can see, you know, the, the different people, the different buildings, that style of world exploring to me is just what excites me about an RPG. Um Something, you know, Evan, you and I touched on the other week, like The Witcher 3, love that. But I walk around, I just see a lot of, you know, mid-century European towns and castles that I, I seemingly understand that in a country that small, they're not going to have their own cultures. But for some reason, JRPGs like to embed their own cultures into these towns that are so close to each other. But, you know, for me, it's that it's that colour, it's the story, it's the music, it's it's the interconnection, especially with trails I found of 300 different stories going at the same time um, to the point where every now and again, I'll sit here after a few beers, go and get a chalkboard, bring it back into the lounge room and try to explain to my wife what's just happened. Oh, um, no. Oh, yeah. no. So, and, you know, when, and not, not to get spoiled, I, so I went through Trails of Cold Steel 3, loved it, started on Trails of Cold Steel 4 and, you know, the, the opening scene, you're introduced to another wave of, of, of characters that seemingly are from some of the other games. And, and I've played Trails of Sky 1 maybe 10 years ago. I don't remember playing it at all. I seem to have a very bad memory for games I played, even though I put 60 hours into it. But, you know, just the unravelling of, okay, we've got 30 new characters from Trails of Cold Steel 3. Uh, 30 characters from Trails of Cold Steel 1 and 2, hitting 4, and then, oh, my God, here's another 30 characters from these four other games that I didn't even know were connected other than being in the same planet. Um, so that really sits on my backlog now because I'm enjoying Trails of Cold Steel 4 so much that I can comfortably just stop, and when I'm desperate for something to play, I know I'll pick that up and, and hit the ball running. Um, but it, even just from a mechanic perspective and you know Jeremy like you I don't like long games but unfortunately it's where I've found myself wanting to play games but but things like you know it's just got simple gameplay mechanics and quality of life things like the ability to fast forward the ability to play in you know fast speed and you know even little things like something that always turns me off in a game is if you you know especially a text heavy game if I can't press A to go to the next string of text, but, you know, that a game just automatically starts reading through the text. Honestly, I play on the Switch. The reason I do that is because I'm watching TV at the same time. 
it's you know it's not it's not a place I want to be where the story is just being shoved down my throat at the same time as I'm you know watching some you know Squid Games on Netflix or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, it, it it was kind of an awakening, I think, and that's probably why you know I obviously um, came in contact with you, Evan, recently um, through means through some you know RPG channels, and and it really was this game that sort of got me to start really delving deeper into it. I'd always loved the genre, but I seem to thoroughly be enjoying what's going on here um outside of that you know i'll, I'll play most rpgs I, I tend to gear towards turn-based i like the ability to stop and think um so i don't mind strategy rpgs but for some reason turn-based uh, and you know i tried things like final fantasy 15 with the new action style and i just can't get into it at all um and without causing an argument my favorite series of all time is zelda um, so we won't say whether that's an RPG or not. Um, but yeah, you know, just, just recently, the, the, the big gaping hole. Yeah, I, I think so. I think we, we, we have a few beers and we, uh, we have that conversation with the microphones off. I'm sorry, the recording off. Yeah. That's, um, that, that's going to have to be a special <laughs> where, uh, so, some sort of, uh, some sort of event where, the gloves come off and we uh, exactly to death. But, uh, but no, outside of that, no. you know, I, I do love a good um, Diablo style RPG. Um, and, you know, Evan and I talked last week and I, we talked about um, Divinity Original Sin 2, um, which is seemingly everything I want here. It's turn-based, it's mechanic-driven, there's, you know, a story, but just it, it didn't click. And I'm wondering if that just comes down to the art style, the music, I do just enjoy the, the colourful pomp and circumstance of a nice JRPG, um, which, you know, and I will say, Jeremy, um, Dragon Quest Eleven, absolutely wonderful. Like, just just so much fun um, and, and, and really worth worth spending the time on. It's a big game, but definitely worth getting through. A sort of, you know, a, a quality life version of, you know, your Final Fantasy VI, your older older JRPGs. I think it... It takes that genre and just modernizes it in just the right ways. Yeah, I'll definitely jump back into the, yeah. that one at some point. And to go back to just one of your comments really quickly, uh, I, I remember I've never, I've not played Lost Sphere myself, but I do Ugh. remember one of the most... Imp- <laughs> Sorry, I have feelings. I, no, <laughs> no, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, uh, Jeremy, but... Uh, one of the most important things that I heard about that game specifically that really got me curious about it was that I heard that it actually had a rewind Ooh. function where you could rewind cutscenes uh, just in case you missed a moment. Um, now, I don't know if I'm right or wrong about that, but uh, that does go back to you, what you were saying. Nick about quality of life. I think that's a hugely important thing for people who love this genre, but as we have all mentioned, have lives and 100%. jobs. And, I mean, and and that's why I thoroughly, fact, I, you know, I, I hit back Final Fantasy seven, eight, nine, and twelve when they all came out on the Switch because all of them have those sort of you know the fast forward gameplay mechanics. Heck, even easy mode. I'm not afraid to say it. I play games in easy mode. I'm there for the story and the exploration. I'm not there for the challenge. So, you know, it, it's just, it, it, it's great seeing these older games, I think, presented back with different ways to be able to play and enjoy the world and story, which I think to me are the most important parts. 
Sure. And uh, yeah, there's there's definitely it, it's something that I'm coming to realize <laughs> as, as someone who's now now in my 30s that uh, if I want to appreciate all the games that I do, uh, sometimes sacrifices do need to be made um, in terms of pro- <laughs> uh, prolonging the suffering for myself. Yeah. Um, but uh, just to, to close things out before we get into uh, plugs and, and sending uh, ourselves off on, on our way, um, Nick, is there a game uh, or a kind of game that you think would be challenging for you to complete? Or should we toss it back over to Jeremy and see if he has an answer? Oh, I th- um, it, it honestly, it does tend to be if the story doesn't grab me. Um, and, and, but, you know, sometimes there can be a nice story, but if it's just presented in, you know, a string of text, that's not actually looking to engage me or looking to involve me and not necessarily like in a mass effect style, you know, decision-making, but more, you know, Hey, this story brings you to this place and now you explore and find these people. Um, but yeah, it's, it, that is an interesting question. And I too will pause and wait for Jeremy's answer and circle back. So I think it's the easiest way. Uh, I've got, I think I have two answers now. Um, the first is very genre specific and it's those Western RPGs with the mixture of, uh, action and like the action pause combat where like a battle starts and then all of a sudden pauses and you get to make a decision and then it picks up again and starts moving. Um, real time with pause. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Real time with pause, uh, like, uh, fallout. I just can't do it. Um, it just sucks me right out of the experience. Well, Jeremy, have you ever played Final Fantasy XII? <laughs> I have not played Final Fantasy XII. My understanding was that Final okay. Fantasy XII was more MMO-style combat. It is, but I came to the realization the other day that... Uh, well, not really the other day. It was actually like several months ago. But that game is literally just a Japanese coat of paint over real time with pause <laughs> and uh if if you, if you're if you struggle with the aesthetics of those like uh those older uh fallout and um what am i yep. thinking of baldur's gate the those sorts of games uh that might yep. be your your avenue of approach instead the... what, what was your other answer my other answer is um games that make me feel like they're wasting my time. Uh, which kind of gets back to uh, that... Uh, shoot, blanking on the name of this game. That card-based game from Square Enix that yes, just came out. Yep, yep. Quest of Cards. Uh, or, Voice of Cards. Yeah. Yep. Um, where everything just felt very slow. If it feels like there's... I, I'm one who doesn't mind grinding. Um, I think grinding, when implemented well, is a great mechanic to have in an RPG. If you want to sit there and control your difficulty level by fighting some extra rabbits, then go for it. Um, for sure. But when it's forced and unnecessary, again, it feels like the game's wasting my time. Um, so those ones can be very hard for me to get through. I get that completely. And yeah, that's, uh, you know, I echo your sentiment about Voice of Cards in particular. To me, that game seems like it's primed for grinding. But the speed of of things and also the speed of the narration are yes. kind of counterintuitive uh, to that. 
Uh, Nick, any, any uh, thoughts? I'll ramble on for a little bit until I work out my thoughts, but I, I, I did just start playing Baldur's Gate recently, um, so that it was a, a gap in my knowledge. And I think, yeah, it, Jeremy, it, it's an interesting place because you're exploring, it's real world, but then it almost just jumps into a turn-based system, but a completely different evolution of the turn-based system, um, which is it's kind of almost a bizarro JRPG world. Yeah, it's 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 wild because it's you know it's all based on D and D, right? Which is what what a lot of those classic JRPGs were aspiring to emulate, um, but <laughs> clearly they've gone in a completely yeah. different no, direction. For me, uh, I mean, it's probably more because I've dabbled in them and haven't been able to grasp them. But yeah, it's really similar thing. Western RPGs, but more like your The Witcher Three, um, Divinity Original Sin. Um, probably these more gritty, realistic aesthetics um, that don't necessarily gel for me. Ga- gameplay mechanic-wise, I'm, I'm you know pretty much open to anything. I think it really does. It's the it's the story, it's the art, it's the music that really captures me. Um, so, getting past the visuals on something like that is probably my biggest hurdle. Um, yeah, hmm. unless it's a space aesthetic. Like I yeah, love I get- Mass Effect One, Two, and Three. Two is one of my favorite games of all time. So space aesthetic, great. Dingy Browns, not great. And yeah. Yeah, I'd be uh, curious to hear your thoughts on Star Ocean or perhaps Fantasy Star. Um, but I, I totally get uh, what you're what you're saying too. And, you know, I can handle certain mm-hmm. kinds of aesthetics in certain kinds of genres. You know, like I, I love me some Resident Evil and uh, the the grittiness and griminess of of those games uh, is something that wouldn't really appeal to me all yep. that much in an RPG. No, I, I think I'm on the same page. Yeah, I can, I can uh, enjoy them for what they are, but when they're presented in a format I know and love, I kind of just fall out with it. Yeah, great answer. Um, Oh, all right. Well, uh, it's it's been great to hear uh, some of your thoughts. I hope that uh, has left you guys excited to talk more uh, with each other about these topics. And I hope it's uh, it's gotten our, our audience excited to hear uh, from us a little bit more as well. Um, so we will be coming uh, back with another episode, uh, hopefully very soon. Uh, and we'll be introducing uh, a new quest board and some new mechanics uh maybe even a job system that uh, i'm hoping that listeners will uh, will enjoy but for right now we're going to uh close things out um so as always, uh, you can reach out to us. Uh, I am now in control of the RPG PodQuest uh, Twitter account. So are we sure Will left, or did you take, you know, what's going on here? It's... <laughs> no, um, but you can find that Twitter account at uh, RPG PodQuest on Twitter. And if you ever have any questions uh, for us, maybe a quest idea that you'd like to, us to add to our quest board, um, or your thoughts on something we've discussed, you can shoot us an email at uh, RPG PodQuest at gmail.com. Uh, you can find our uh, podcast. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple. It's on Google. It's all over the place. Uh, so if you if you have been listening, uh, we hope that you will continue to do so. Um, 
you can find me on uh, Twitter at RPGSEB. That's uh, just letters, no spaces or capitalization. Uh, I was posting a lot about <laughs> Shin Megami Tensei Five uh, recently, which I think maybe some people think is like Persona 5. Maybe. Um, but Jeremy, uh, where can, where can uh, people find you, hear you, listen to you, do your thing? Uh, yeah, they can find me on Twitter uh, at RPG underscore writer. Uh, I talk a lot about RPGs and writing because uh, I am an aspiring author. So I will post about things that I'm working on or just general writing topics as well. Uh, I'm also recently on TikTok. Uh, we'll see if I can hang with the youngins over there. Uh, but it's at the same uh, username, so RPG underscore writer. Uh, definitely talking more about the writing side of things, so if that interests you, feel free to give me a watch. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think we will be probably buffing out uh, the podcast uh, onto some other social media platforms, too. Um, even though Inktober is done, I'm still itching to uh, draw some RPG-related stuff. Um, so you might see that on Instagram. And of course, uh, the music that you hear uh, at the front and the rear of every episode was composed by me. So hopefully we'll have some more to uh, shoot your way, especially as we enter into this new, uh, I guess we're going to call it a new season of RPG PodQuest. Um, so our uh, previous tagline used to be onwards and upwards, gentlemen, any ideas about how we should finish things off? Sideways and other sideways? Yeah. Side to always side. Moving towards side to side. Is, yeah. <laughs> uh, some sort of spiral movement uh, throughout the galaxy of, of some sort? Well, uh, we've got a week. We'll get there. We'll figure it out. But uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, but for now, everybody, uh, we'll see you around. Thank you so much. Thanks, all. Thank you. <laughs>